American songwriter. We had the opportunity to talk to Blake Lewis and KJ Saka of the private language over Zoom video. You may recognize Blake from American Idol. He was on the season with Jordan Sparks. He actually got second place. Not only does he talk to us about uh, his time on American Idol and how <laughs> he went with a buddy of his and ended up, you know, getting on the show and his buddy did not, but he talks to us about being born and raised in the Seattle area and how he got into music. KJ was also from the Seattle area and they knew each other growing up. But not only is KJ an amazing drummer, he grew up in the same electronic scene that Blake grew up with. And KJ is also a member of Pendulum. He's the drummer for Pendulum, which is a massive drum and bass band. Blake and KJ talked to us about how they originally met and how they've been working on music together for almost 20 years. KJ actually was the drummer for Blake Lewis when he did his tour after American Idol. And uh, they've been working on stuff together for a very long time. And they recently put together this new project called The Private Language. And they've got a bunch of new material to come out. Uh, the most recent stuff they've done are, are cover songs, but their original material is coming out. they got this rad uh, kind of look and, and theatrical element to, to their group. So very exciting. They've got a bunch of new music coming out. So make sure to keep an eye out for The Private Language. And you can watch our interview with Blake, KJ, and myself on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Blake and KJ of The Private Language. This podcast is all about you guys and your journey in music. We'll talk about the, the, you know, what you guys got going on with the private language and how you got to where you are now. Awesome, beautiful. Cool, cool. Are you your brothers? Correct or no? <laughs> no, no. We're just we have been playing music for almost twenty years together, and we get recognized uh, <laughs> as brothers. As brothers. okay, yeah, because I read about you, and it was like two brothers. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, bro brothers from another but, mother. Yeah, but no. not not blood. Not blood brothers. Not, not blood. Not blood. Um, we grew up in the same town, and and we went both went to different high schools. And uh, I heard about Kevin on the Seattle music scene for like two years. He heard about me, um, and we just never linked. And then all of a sudden, around two thousand one, maybe ended maybe two thousand two, beginning something like that. We uh, we linked, and then we just started playing music together all the time. Cool. Well, uh, so you both, you said Seattle? Yeah. Are you both from the Seattle area? Yeah, we're uh, North Seattle, top of uh, Lake Washington, Kenmore, Bothell area. Born and raised? Yeah. If you know that. Born and, born and bred, yeah. Okay. Well, Blake, born how, raised, yeah. we well, are how did, in Las Vegas right now. Yeah. You're, you're in Las Vegas now? Did you move there? Yep, we both moved here. Yeah. Rad. And then you have your own studio there. Yep, he has his, I have mine, um, mm -hmm. and we all we all share gear, you know. That's right. And you got some gold records behind you as well. Yeah, I got this one over here. Is, uh, I had a number one on Billboard for me called Heartbreak on Vinyl. Um, 311, homies of mine. Uh, Alex Claire, Too Close. Um, oh, no way. I, uh, I actually got that in the Microsoft ad that made it blow up. So he sent me that black, which was cool. Oh, that's Kevin, dope. Kevin has uh, number ones with the band Pendulum. Okay. Um, yeah. Platinum records and producer, or did you guys write the write on the records or co-producer? Yep. Yeah. And um, my yeah. main role in Pendulum is drummer, and oh. uh, also we all write the songs as well. That's rad. Yeah, mine is from the radio. I was the first guy to play the struts on the on the air, and nice. the, the record maker. <laughs> kind of. What uh, what station were you at? Uh, I well, ninety one X in San Diego is the one I got that for, but I was also in. San Francisco at Live 105. Dope. And pardon me for asking, what's your name? Adam. Sorry. Should have okay, told yeah. you guys that in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Good to meet you, Adam. <laughs> nice to meet you as well. Okay, so we'll back up here. So, Blake, uh, tell me, how did you get into music? Uh, my mom was a, uh, you know, hippie rocker um, her whole life. And, uh, you know, she had me. <laughs> and uh, I started singing when I was five. I was into, you know, 80s pop, you know, new wave, um, 
MJ, Prince, you know, Duran Duran, Depeche Mode, New Order, anything with synths, really. I was, and just good hooks, basically. Okay. And, um, and my dad was into like classic rock, uh, but my mom played like blues, bluegrass, and rock. So, you know, finger picking type stuff. So, three part harmony as well in bluegrass. So, I kind of fell in love with harmony. Mm hmm. Uh, any any band that had like you know three part harmony and then my dad would listen to the Eagles and they were in like five part harmony you know on some songs like that so I grew up listening to that and then I fell in love with everything in the nineties you know um, mm -hmm. I I got exposed to you know drum everything and bass being and there in, in Seattle too right yeah industrial <laughs> music and 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 then the pop of of, of those days too you know and and R and B and house music and and uh my love for singing just blossomed i was in like you know professional choirs and and wow. theater and did all the things anything i could i could do i did and um right. i guess that was like growing up and uh <laughs> yeah uh, and as soon as i got out of high school i found beatboxing i'm a professional beatboxer champion. really yeah and um wow i did uh tons of uh tons of I was annoying. I was, I was just an annoying kid uh, <laughs> until I found beatboxing. How did you I realize felt, that you had that skill? I saw an acapella group and um, <clears throat> this beatboxer uh, just blew my mind. And uh, it was, it, it's kind of, kind of crazy. It was the first week South Park aired. Really? And all the voices, like, dude, you're such a bastard. You know, like that. You know, <laughs> to the, to the, Are you a voiceover actor as well? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I've Do done, you really? That's yeah, awesome. Anime and video games and, and whatnot. Oh, <laughs> my dog's barking. It's all good. Um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of how I got into beatboxing was because I was a sponge. I was also a skater kid, so every time I was filming my friends, it was always like <laughs> just simple, not knowing that that was beatboxing. I would just did it naturally, and then I saw this this cat in this acapella group, and he just kind of just changed my life. Right in the moment I saw them, I was like, wait, this you can get you make money making noise with your mouth, like that's insane, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, I'd been singing. I'd already toured to to europe and london at 13 and wow with, with these choir with, the, with, with the choir groups and we got fourth best you know youth choir in the world and i had a solo so i was just like oh crap this like this is obtainable and uh -huh. even at an early age i just was like oh i i want to do this i want to i want to keep visiting you know i just like met some cute girls at 13 you know just right. super stoked in london like you know accents and like i was like okay music brought me here so that's you dope. Know, so out of high school, I, I, I got in actually an acapella group, a hip hop group. I had a number one in Seattle um, with a hook I wrote, which Twista, really? got, on, Twista got on that song. So um, I, I was it was all random to me. It was just, just fun. You know what I mean? Music was just pure fun. I didn't even care if I got paid then. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Looking back, I'm like, dang, I should got paid. But you know, like, <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, back then it was, I mean, the grinds now, it's still fun every day making beats. Mm -hmm. um, but I digress. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll shorten it. Like we met in 2002. Um, and at that point I was, I had an acapella group. I was hosting massive raves, like 4,000 people raves. Wow. In Seattle. Um, I was in a hip hop group and then I started my own one man band loop beatbox, uh, kind of amalgamation of hip hop, electronic music and acapella in that's when Kevin and I met. And I was like, who the, fuck is this badass <laughs> i had heard his name for like two years on the scene because he's he's just uh he was a, already a legend in, in seattle basically just one of the you know premier drummers and like one he was a one-man show himself you know he was playing keys while he's drumming and samples oh, wow and craziness and okay um we what do, do you we play an instrument I'm, I'm sure you do do you or Me? yeah yeah i play yeah. i play um anything i can touch but when did um, you, what was the first one you learned piano or anything like that? Piano, yeah, I, grew, okay. I took lessons for like six years, piano when I was a kid, okay. probably from 11, actually, you know, it might've been younger, probably like 10 to like 16, I, okay. I took lessons and then I just picked up the guitar because everyone was playing guitar and my mom played guitar and I learned some like finger picking patterns from her and just more tools. And then I always wanted a drum set, never got one. And then my parents bought me just like a little amp and a microphone and that's when I started beatboxing. Um, oh, right. And then uh, flash forward in 2000, end of 2001, I think is when, when we met. I feel like it was like that winter. And then we started having our own shows 
in a, at a place called toast in Fremont, um, where we had everyone, um, come in all the best players. Um, you know, it was a weekly that we had for quite a long time. I feel like it was almost a year, but, um, mm-hmm. it was 20, almost 20 years ago, but we had like, <laughs> Reggie Watts, all, all the, like the badass oh, wow. of, of Seattle and just amazing bass players, MCs, DJs, and it was a fun little club. I mean, it only holded like maybe 200 people or something. Wow. Super fun spot in uh, Fremont in Seattle. And, um, and then, um, you know, we just played music since then. We, ne- we haven't stopped playing music. Um, I ended up uh, <laughs> randomly auditioning for American Idol, went through that whole process, got second on that show. Wait, what? <laughs> you know, just no big deal. Got second on the show. Uh, what? That's crazy. Tell me about that a little bit. I mean, that's like a can of worms. Um, it was surreal. Um, my friend drug me to the show. I'd never wanted to be on that show. I never saw it. Um, I had no interest, but my friend begged me to like stand in line with him. And then okay. I kept going through, kept making it, kept making it. And then when I ended up getting to Hollywood week, I was like, oh, this, this shit's real. Like the universe is putting me here. God, uh-huh. whatever. I manifested it maybe when I was 20 because when I was 20, I was like, by 25, something big's going to happen. I just, I didn't know what it was. I was just putting it out there. Uh-huh. And that was it. And, um, you know, um, I drugged this guy along uh, for the on the ride. He made him my music director. And, and uh, after American Idol, we, we toured. He played on, played on my album, my first album, which was on RCA with Clive Davis and Ryan Tedder of One Republic and I almost wrote the whole thing together and um you know the rest the rest is <laughs> the rest is history i've been touring and playing mu- in i mean i've been doing it for over 20 years now but sure. uh, that was like you know a p- pivotal moment far as really getting <laughs> a to be become a cog in the machine and and really figure out what radio's like and interviews uh-huh. and and you know all the the years i had on stage paid off by you know coming on that show and and you know being me i i looked at it as a remix competition i was the first contestant ever to rearrange his music and do it himself and uh i do it's funny like i didn't even put the two together but then like when you said that like i totally remember watching on american idol Oh, right. On. <laughs> <laughs> like it didn't even click to me until you said that. I'm like, wait, oh, oh my God. Yeah, he was on that show. Yeah, it was 14 years ago. So, wow. What was uh, real quick on that subject before we get to you, um, uh, KJ? But I'm, I'm just curious, like, how pissed was your friend that he drug, drug you to this thing and then you get second? Oh man, it was, it was crazy because he had art. <laughs> he was, he was kind of pissed because he had to wait there all day. Because- <laughs> Because I showed up last, I mean, I guess they were there for a week in Seattle and I didn't know that. I thought they had already left town and I guess they set up for a week and they, they let people sign up for a week. Um, I didn't understand it because I was just like, whatever. Um, but he's like, you got to go to Key Arena and sign up right now. And so I did. And then in 5 a.m. he picked me up because he had to wait in line for like four hours in the pouring mm-hmm. rain. It was like the worst cliche Seattle Seattle weather like ever. <laughs> And we were just soaked. Um, and then you go inside and then they make you wait for another hour and they make the whole like stadium sing like, we built this city. It was so lame. <laughs> it was, like, really? The thing. And I wouldn't stand and, and like one of the like, people like stand up. And I was like, no, nah, dog. But <laughs> it, was nah, so dog. It, was, it was, it was, it was lame. I, I just, I'm not a very, an, uh, a, I'm not a cheerleader, you know, a, a enthusiastic. I like, I don't know. It was something about it. I was just like, whatever. I was there to like keep him company, you know. Yeah. But then there they're like, well, we're gonna do this different. We're gonna we're gonna start with whoever auditioned last. So I was in and out of there. It was, they're like Rose, blah 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 blah. Or if your ticket number is this, come on down. And you know, thirty seconds. They just look at see what you look like. The the the, the initial like cattle call audition was just. It was kind of laughable. Yeah. Just yeah. Because, like, they like, are you marketable? <laughs> I mean, not. there's so many steps to get on the show. So it's, yeah, exactly. It's that. It's like, do you have a relative good voice? I mean, because back then American Idol was like, they were like making fun of people too. They were like, you know, there was, it, it hurt my heart because like I grew up, my mom's like a special ed teacher. So, you know, they're, 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 
they're bringing people on, you know, on the show that have like Down syndrome. Yeah. My mom is a special ed teacher as well. Oh, right on. That's yeah. amazing. So, you know, I kind of already had this like bad taste in my mouth just from, because as soon as he said, like, watch it, I went on YouTube and I like saw a couple clips and stuff because I'd honestly never seen the show ever, not even like a clip of it. So I was like, what am I getting myself into? Right. But anyway, long story long, <laughs> I, I got in and out of there in like, as soon as they started going through people, I was in and out like within a half hour and he had to stay there for 12 days just to get it or 12, 12 hours to get <laughs> 12 days. Yeah. That would suck. <laughs> <laughs> just to get up there. And did he just get booted right away? Yeah. So he was, he was stoked for me, but he was, he was, he was crushed a little bit, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I talked to David cook and he was telling me uh, that I think his brother dragged him along and yeah. then he got, obviously won the whole thing, but it was like right. a, a similar situation where he didn't even want to go or didn't really care or didn't really know what was going on. And then like, his brother like, just come just come try and then he yeah. like wins yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the special you know part of uh, american idols like you never know that's um, funny but yeah after that um you know kj and i have just been uh rocking yeah well and, kj and, so and, tell me and, and tell me your story a little bit yeah born and raised in seattle area as well how did you get into music born and raised in seattle um got a pretty early start like Blake with music, uh, playing drums and, um, was in rock bands and funk bands inspired by like Primus and, and Metallica and, and Rush and things. Mm -hmm. I heard drum and bass around 18 and it totally changed everything for me. Um, never heard really electronic music at all. Um, mm -hmm. unlike Blake, it got started so early and, um, I like boycotted guitar music for like a, quite a long time i just wanted to hear electronic electronic music that was it well what got you into drums real quick um, why did you choose to play drums my brother got a guitar and i'm i was like well i want to play music too mm -hmm. and apparently my my mom and dad said i always used to bang on things with forks and knives and stuff as a kid i don't really remember that but my uncle had a a, a drum set with like two bass drums inside his closet and i bought that with my paper route money oh really yeah i just started beating those things just and then i got lessons like a, at least a few years later but kind of a natural start i didn't think i had any sort of you know gift or anything and my mom was a singer um but uh she didn't do it professionally or anything she I didn't uh, know that. just as a yeah mm -hmm. well her dad she got pretty much just, you know, didn't get any support or anything okay. from her family. So that kind of shut it down quite quick. Mm -hmm. um, but there's not very many musicians in my family at all. So I'm pretty much one of the only ones. That's crazy because I guess my grandpa brother can shred. So. My brother's a great guitar player. Yeah. Really? I guess my grandpa, yeah, I guess my grandpa sang songs and was kind of a singer, but he was a carpenter. Carpenter, uh, I have a very blue collar family everyone's plumbers and electricians and but he didn't want to was he your mom's dad the same dad's dad oh okay i was um, curious yeah both of my grandpas were i don't know they were just very angry very angry sexist men okay and it was it was it was hard hard times back then yeah so I, <clears throat> I came out as as a musician and uh yeah but it was it was tough it was almost until i was 30 before i finally became a professional musician joining blake on american idol really helped like solidify the fact that we can not do our day jobs and things like that mm -hmm. so and then shortly after that i joined pendulum and we were on the headlining the, the, the biggest stages across the world sure um, so crazy that yeah is... yeah i remember wow. when you got that call yeah, everything like, changed then yeah you're like hey your your favorite band wants you to be the drummer, my favorite band you know? yeah and he's like <laughs> oh there you you're a huge fan too well yeah we were also uh like flirting online about collaboration and stuff it was myspace days and rob and i the main guy from pendulum we we're emailing back and forth on 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 myspace and you know, i was sending him over beats and things and then there was just a nice little break in between touring um where you know, there was kind of a 
a break a breakup with their previous drummer and they they wanted me for quite some time wow and they were like fans of me and i was fans of them and it was kind of the perfect like rock meets drum and bass great melodies i'm like that's the type of music that i that i love this type of music that i want to make mm-hmm. that's the type of music i want to I want to jam with on main stages. I my slogan was always drum and bass for the main stage because that never happened. Drum and bass was never on the main stage. It was on the side mm-hmm. stage, you know, house right. music uh, and stuff was on the main stage. And we got on the main stage playing freaking drum and bass. That's <laughs> crazy. Nuts. That is crazy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, no wow. Really done it. <laughs> no. Do you feel like okay. there's some? Uh, I was curious if, um, because your mom, you, you, her parents probably weren't very big advocates of her becoming a musician. Like, do you feel like she was a big supporter of you because of that or allowed you to kind of play music because of that? Thankfully she was my biggest supporter. Yeah. She'd let me play drums however long, uh, you know, piss off the neighbors. Didn't matter. She's like, Oh, well he's, he's not out doing drugs and getting in trouble with his friends. I know exactly where he's at. Mm -hmm. So that was the biggest thing is, um, she felt safe. She felt that I was safe with my, with my music and drums. Cause I was just locked in the studio. All I did was play drums. Um, super supportive, super supportive of that. That's cool. Amazing supportive family. Yeah. Awesome. That's probably which I which I wish every musician had because it's yeah that's that huge. nurture and yeah know. which a lot of musicians don't have it's like that's not a real job <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah you need to have like the you need to go to college and get the to have something to fall back on yeah I mean everybody still says that and thinks that you know and you know being an artist I consider being a musician just an, an artist whether you're a painter writer. Um, uh photographer photographer it's kind of all the similar similar stuff you know you gotta grind yourself there's not really a company that you can go join and get a a salary for being a musician or a, or unless you play classical and you're part of a union you know which is not really crazy much for just like drummers or singers or, yeah if you get you know, on there's like no a, pension or you know <laughs> right <laughs> 401k for us really yeah and then being like a violin player or something like that i I know a violin player in um the seattle symphony it's like being a pro athlete like you have to be the absolute best of the best to be able to get that position Mm -hmm. Um, and his it's it's he's he's in the lineage uh lineage too um i can't speak so his father was a violin player and his grandfather was a violin player and that wow i passed this violin down yeah (laughs) yeah totally but he says it (laughs) kind of sucks though at the same time because he's like well i was just like it was just that's what i'm going to do that's what you're going to do son you know and whether or not he (laughs) wanted to do this gift on the yeah yeah (laughs) yeah you will learn this violin (laughs) (laughs) no supper for you exactly oh yeah it was hardcore yeah (laughs) no supper practice your scales now (laughs) (laughs) no yeah nine like whiplash (laughs) yeah yeah that's not my tempo (laughs) oh wow okay so you picked up drums you did you say you played with your brother because he was a guitar player or yeah okay yep yeah we played a lot together in our jam shack um my dad was a carpenter and then i he taught me carpentry and and my brother as well we built this shed and that was our jam spot we jammed there for years and years and years loud as we possibly could play and no one really cared um that's one thing about playing drums too a lot of people give up drums because it's such a loud instrument Mm -hmm. if you're in an apartment or even a house that's close to another house you're gonna really annoy people quickly yeah well i have a five-year-old um who was just losing his mind like during the pandemic like you know with energy so we got him a an electric drum kit which is so awesome now that they have these things because he just puts on headphones and it's like you know you just hear the pad hitting which isn't too annoying um perfect but yeah i haven't got him lessons yet but that's the that's kind of the next thing but i yeah i mean when i was growing up they didn't have that either so it was like if you played drums like you knew you're gonna irritate the whole neighborhood (laughs) (laughs) how old's your son five Oh man, get him some lessons for sure. Yeah, create a little bit of structure around that instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, 
even if it's just like playtime with this with the teacher sometimes the kids are so young that it's it's like a it's just like a little playtime with walls right know? um and but that does create structure at a young age i would encourage well, that yeah we were we well we just um moved to nashville that's why you can see all the stuff in my my room here um but we haven't unloaded like we're moving into a house right now we're currently in an apartment but anyway um congrats his, his kit thank you his kit is uh in the the pod thing so once it gets out that's when we're gonna get him some some lessons <laughs> that's the plan at least right. yeah. yeah kids got lots of energy for me growing up it was it was drumming and martial arts and that totally kept me out of trouble mm -hmm. and, you know my friends would uh like jump in a car and drink and smoke weed and go hit mailboxes with freaking baseball bats. I'm like, there you no go. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, they're fine now. You know, that's typical it wasn't until later. Typical that he kid stuff. Found the, the baseball bat. Yeah. <laughs> and then in my thirties, I started smoking <laughs> weed and drinking and knocking on baseball bats on yeah. the neighbor's yeah. yards. <laughs> uh. See, I, I was, I, I hung out with those kids. I was like a little hellion for like a year. And then I was like, I don't like these kids. <laughs> My parents didn't like them either, which yeah, is worked out. <laughs> oh yeah, I caused some mischief. I was like, I'm gonna go to juvie. <laughs> like I was a little shit. <laughs> but you didn't, you got out free. I did. You I, escaped. Uh, it was like a year of troublemaking and, and then I peaced out. You got it out of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, well, saves people. Yeah, yeah no, totally. Yeah. Well, when did you guys, you said you met 2001? Yeah, and 2001, 2002, I don't know the date, but we actually, the first time we jammed, we recorded it. Really? It was when you were DJ Saka instead of KJ Saka. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yep. So, yeah, we have our first jam recorded, which is pretty sweet. That and is a bunch dope. of them. Like, I remember, Do you like, have that still? I have so many mini disc things. Amazing. Yeah. That for, I used to love being the mini disc guy every every show. Every <laughs> record. So I got a lot of stuff from back then. That's nice. cool. Nice. That is really cool. Well, yeah. th was that before, Blake, before you were on American Isle? Did you guys oh, yeah. hang out? Like 10, 10 years before. No, no. Oh, wow. I don't know. No, when did like five years? Right. American Isle was 2007. Oh, so it was like oh, yeah. six years before. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, how, so KJ, you joined him on, I'm, I'm so, I'm confused yeah. on he the American Idol He joined Idol me thing. after I was off the show and I toured on oh. it. My first album came out uh, through our, uh, yeah. okay. Aristotle now, now it makes sense. Okay. So you, you jumped on the tour with, with Blake as his yeah. drummer. Well, Blake was like, yeah, music director, drummer. I saw Blake coming up and I saw him on TV and he called me. I'm like, he's like, dude, I don't even know what's happening. I'm like, dude, I, I see what's happening. I go, all you need to do is practice your freaking butt off in the, in the hotel room. That's it. Just sing all day long. Don't blow your voice out, but make sure it's perfect. That's it. Like, that's mm -hmm. all you gotta do is not mess up. <laughs> no pressure because right? <laughs> uh, i uh and i never saw american idol before either mm -hmm. like i'm not a tv watcher and, and had no idea what this show was and then all of a sudden he was on primetime tv yeah the biggest on. show like on the planet at the, yeah I mean, like dinner there. time <laughs> like dinner time i'm like oh my god Insane. my homie is on tv this is crazy and then so after he won and did a bunch of shows and things like that he's like i, I need a band i'm like i got you so i formatted uh, 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 formed a band with all our homies, really, really great musicians, and learned all the songs. Went to LA, rehearsed them, and then went on tour. And mm -hmm. yeah, our first gig was with Ludacris. Yeah. Really? Yeah. They wow. said that. They said that it was the first contestant band on American Idol, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Because um, we we ended up playing the show. We played American Idol. Yeah. Like, was it after? It was like a year after, wasn't it? It was the next season. It was it was David yeah. yeah, we ended up playing. Yeah, that. they usually let. Yeah, usually have the other guys. Yeah, yeah come back on. So you got yeah. to play it as a band. As a band. Wow. Yeah. Cool. yeah. But yeah. then, but then, slowly, like right after that, I got dropped from that label, and I just made them like three million dollars. <laughs> oh my god. Two thousand eight, like the economy crash. The record, oh the sure, that label, was the all radio DJs were getting like you know, it, you know turned Trust into me. like. That's when I was in radio. And, you know, <laughs> it was a fantastic time for me getting into radio around that oh, same time. Man, 2008 you know? was just about, like the worst yeah. year. It was like I just had the best year of my life on the show. I was like 
enamored by, you know, and I had like, seriously, I tell everyone, I was like, I think I'm the, the one contestant who had the greatest time being on that show ever because I was also, <laughs> why is first, that? Because I love production and okay. I, I was the first person to like talk to like the monitor guy and the lighting girl and the, and the, the, I like micromanage every performance. Uh, <laughs> so I would talk to the director and I'd be like, I would like to be shot when I say this word this way, you know what I mean? I learned from oh, yeah. greats like Prince and, and Michael Jackson and Madonna and, and, you know, all I do is watch music documentaries pretty much every day. I've seen like every music documentary from the Donna time. Like <laughs> that's right. Amazing YouTube playlist that has like 400 music documentaries in it. And I seriously have seen like bands I've never heard of and I will, I'll know everything about them by the that's end so of the day. Cool. But so when I, when I, as a performer, I, I want to know every aspect and especially on that show, we had 14 cameras. So I'm like, Oh my God, I had to talk to those cameramen and they were like, in six years, no, you're the only person that has ever talked to me. You're the only <laughs> wow. And they love probably because everyone else is probably it. just so like wrapped up and like, okay, like practicing, like trying to, yeah, and you're I like, no, it. I want to get this, but that makes more sense. Right. I mean, it's all about the visual. Uh, well, I, I'm, 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 yeah, I, I believe in like kinetic energy and, and what you give to someone, they'll hopefully give back to you. And so mm -hmm. I'm not just going to show up to a, the most amazing experience of my life and not, like ask questions and like right. Can I do this. Um, I butted heads with the 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 main producer all the time because of that. And we had like <laughs> shouting matches, and he'd storm out of the room, and then he'd apologize to me because because <laughs> I, I was the first person, and I also picked all my songs. Um, and they're like they they you know it's the biggest show on the te on television. They want you yeah. to do what they want you to do, sure. even though quote unquote, it's a competition, you know what I mean? But they'll manipulate you. Like, they're like, we, we think you should do this song. You know? Right. I was like, that's a great idea, but no, <laughs> you know, I would, I would say it with respect, but I would just be like, yeah. no, I know who I am. I'm coming out of the gate. I sang like my three favorite bands at the time that would represent my voice and my stylings, you know, mm -hmm. Which were what did you play? Sing uh, song? It was uh Jamiroquai 311 and Keen. Oh, right. Keen. Wow. I didn't realize you did a Keen song. That's pretty dope. That was the first song I ever sang on American Idol. I was the only person to do a ballad and I sat down and I didn't move. And all the producers wanted me to do was beatbox. I said, no, I'm not here to beatbox. Like, I'm here to sing turn Keen. it into a gimmick. And in the beatbox community, they all thought I was like a gimmicky dude. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what I didn't want to happen. So I got like hated on by like my artistic community. You know, people are like, oh, beatboxing. I'm like, are you kidding? Like beatboxing is some of the most amazing thing on the planet like it's a an amazing beautiful art form and here you are turning it into like a joke you know, kind of corporate like yeah you yeah, know like... capitalizing on an art form so i was like no i don't want to do it no i don't want to do it and anytime i did it they they showed it like 30 times you know what I oh mean? yeah it was that just was the, the click and then it was just me never singing on stage right. you know what i mean so i had a love-hate relationship for and because it's such a double-edged sword coming on that show and then getting off it because in Seattle, I was doing all these really cool events, festivals and stuff. And as soon as I got off American Idol, they, they wouldn't fuck with me at all. You know what I mean? Oh, because you had the kind of like a stigma at that point now, like, oh, yeah, you're American TV, Idol TV's, guy. It has a stigma thing. You know what I mean? So that was like my I had a real. Interesting time on that show, you know, and then at the, the finale was just was crap, but I, that's it's it's more a can of worms i can talk about that show for a million years and i would never be done because so many amazing things happened on it and then the last right. week was like the worst week of my life being on that show so it was oh, so man. weird like you know? dude that's what happens on t on reality tv shows yeah people get burned yeah yeah 100 and people i mean people are like you know i like ptsd from being on television and, and that kind of fake fame you know what i mean uh -huh. people especially being it's like a political show too because they're voting for you it was just it was so strange it was so i was like am i, I felt like a robot and i was like yeah you know every interview is saying the same thing and it's like manufactured. You know, it's so yeah. it, it it just really turned me into by the end of the show i felt like i wasn't me anymore you mm -hmm. know what i mean even though i had represented myself like true to form 100 percent like going through it but like the last week was just so stressful and then they wouldn't let me be me at the finale. So it was, it was just, it was, it was weird. 
Yeah, I can imagine the most that. amazing weird experience of my life. That's crazy. Yeah, because I can imagine that it gets, like you said, pretty political when it comes down to um, who's going to win. I would imagine, like, how real are the votes? I mean, yeah, like, I mean, Ford, Coca Cola, AT and T. Like, we were doing like million dollar commercials every week for Ford. It was like the opportunities and everything that came from it was is was has been fantastic. But there's always a dark side, you know, there's always that other side of the coin, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't take that experience for granted at all. I soaked up every information, every single person I met, I got their info. Like mm -hmm. I talk, I mean, I, I talked to Clive, I, I talked to Quincy Jones for an hour and a half. I talked to Bono for like a half hour, just personally. And we're all, all the other contestants are there. Cause I had no fear. They were like scared to talk to these people. And I went right up to them and I was like, oh, what's up? I'm, yeah. I'm I've done this in like, you know, every single person, Jennifer Lopez, she was like, you're awesome. Keep doing it. You know, you're like all these, like, it was just so crazy. It was so nuts, man. That's so crazy. That's so cool. And then, okay. So then you guys link up after you're off the sh you're after the show finished and you're on a tour. Yeah. Is that the well, first time you, you guys said, you said you played together and had this recording. Was that prior to, um, this all happening oh yeah yeah for, mm. i mean he and i played for like five years before okay American idol yeah five years strong um in different amalgamations in improv freestyle nights um we never had a band but because we're both we we just kind of do our thing i've always been an improv guy a, mm -hmm. throw a little bit of comedy in there do like a one-man show with him is awesome we're both like looping drums at the same time it's a very percussive show and Ain't no one was, nobody was doing that at that time, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, especially in Seattle. I mean, Seattle's mm -hmm. a small place um, with tons of amazing music. Um, sure. Um, but it was like, it was cool. Like I, I went by B Shorty and that was like my hip hop name and rave name, you know what I mean? For a long time. And then as soon as I got on American Idol, that changed. But um, I went on tour with American Idol, uh, you know, the band and we did our 60 date tour like almost 50 states i think we did 48 states or something like that wow which was amazing and then i was recording my album with ryan tedder and sam hollander at the same time that must and have been then, pretty amazing to work with with him i mean oh yeah i mean mm -hmm. <clears throat> ryan and sam are they're just they're g's and in, in their own right individually you know and mm -hmm. and also mike alexando and and um so i worked with some amazing producers and i actually got to co-produce my album which no, no contestant had ever done you know because that mainly that was because ryan tedder and sam hollander believed in my creative vision and uh -huh. they saw that i did have skills as a songwriter so you know I, I give them major props for letting me be me on my first album because a lot of people going through that machine you know they're just a, a pawn and they're just along for the ride and they're stoked you know what i mean like right wow so, i mean some of those people you know singers on that show are just they don't have a creative bone they're just love singing you know what i mean then they've done karaoke their whole life and they end up on a show like that like the boys or american idol and stuff yeah i was gonna say probably a good portion of the people aren't actual like songwriters they're probably just yeah musicians I mean, i'm not gonna lie i'm not like like a prolific lyricist or anything but i, I can write a song <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah it takes me a lot longer than most people unless i'm like super inspired and in and, and, and a good collaborative sense with like with sam and ryan it was easy it was like we'd write songs in like 40 minutes. I was like, yes, this is amazing. Let's go. Let's pump them out. Like, yeah. Let's keep being creative and, and watching Tedder work. Like he can pick up any instrument and play it. Fantastic. And his, he's so quick. His mind moves fast. And Sam Hollander is just like the most conceptual songwriter. And, you know, he wrote all panic at the disco's last album, you know, wow. And all that. I mean, he's, he's, he's written so many hits. It's insane that's crazy and, i didn't realize that tastemakers and 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 seeing how labels work with them and and what they were doing with publishing and and mm -hmm. song and all their stuff and and soaking all that up was just like i still feel like that was a part of the american Idol american idol process because i was signed to you know 19 entertainment and 19 recordings which is all american idol at the time that that's disbanded now mm -hmm. and then the clive davis side which i i couldn't stand like <laughs> at all like people just walked around eggshells around him they told me to like not you know not say anything to him like i was like we're all human you know what i mean mm -hmm. we're all the same we all live we breathe we eat 
shit, we die, you know, like, yeah, you know, luck, hopefully you have lots of love in your life and, and then you, and you die happy. But like, why is this so serious, man? It's music. It's it's creating, you know? Yeah. So they and were like, gotta, don't stay away from him, kind why, of why like, does, why does this 80 year old man who he has success and stuff? gotta love it he knows nothing about pop music right now he's like, <laughs> right in the 80s and everyone just is like saying yes to him and man all my experiences with that was terrible and then, <laughs> and then and then he didn't test my song and he just put it out with like no marketing and it didn't do well then he got dropped from the label and then they dropped me oh, and i made yeah. and i made them so much money it was just it was heartbreaking 2008 I sucked 2007 was amazing and then wow. I made, and then I made probably me my best album to date, which was right after that. I got signed signed to Tommy Boy in New York, and I made a dance album. And my song "Heartbreak on Vinyl" went to number one, mm -hmm. and uh, and that was born out of like being frustrated with the industry and record stores closing down because that's that song is about my favorite record store closing. So you know, I ended up writing a song out of heartbreak from a label, but also heartbreak in the industry and. Mm -hmm. And then uh, DJs kind of or organically played it at the radio. They're like, you know, of course we'll play this. It's about us. So, right, right. Totally. <laughs> and you put a record out recently or within the last, what, about a year and a half ago, right before COVID? Yeah, I just kind of threw it out there right before the pandemic. And so it's like, great, I don't get to tour it. <laughs> it's called Wanderlust Unknown. And it was uh, my first album that I produced myself. Um, Rad. Um, and then I, I, at that time, I was producing two other artists, and actually KJ mixed the album. Thank you, KJ. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So that that was a big challenge for me, but also probably like one of the funnest experience ever. Just uh, you know, and now now we're deep into the private language, which we haven't yeah. even talked about yet. Yeah, I know. So I was going to ask you about that. So when did the private language start? Like, obviously, you guys have been working together for you said 20, 20 years. Well, we ended up living together after around in 2008. Um, I got a house, uh, Kevin and his, his now wife moved in. Um, and we made a lot of music together that never came out. Uh, and it was all Seattle artists. I, I was like, I had this big dream of like doing like a compilation of, of all original music with a bunch of dope vocalists where he and I would just be the producers and I would play and I wouldn't sing on the album mm -hmm. um, except maybe like backgrounds or something. Maybe one, I would be one, one song on the album. And that was called orchestral drive-by. Um, and it was kind of the same concept, like masks, like we would be in masks except for like the lead singer, you know, I was uh, really big into the gorillas mm -hmm. and, um, and just, and I mean like Bowie and, and, and any kind of conceptual, theatric um vibe on stage i've always wanted to do something like that because i'm a theater kid at heart and mm -hmm. and just also taking away perception um and um and having anonymity on stage is, is kind of interesting to me mm -hmm. i mean but i didn't want to be dead mouse or like have like a big marshmallow on my head you know, I want it, to be, <laughs> want it to be sexy still, you know what I mean? Sure. It's still accessible. Like that's the main thing, mysterious, but accessible, you know? And so we, we had like four or five songs for that project we never released. And I wish we did because some of them are really cool. It was the very, like on the tips of like little trip hop zero seven, mm -hmm. you know, with a lot of electronic influence. Um, so that didn't happen. That was 2008. That was almost, you know, almost 12 years ago, you know? And, um, so he and at that time, I mean, the end uh, 2009 is well, it was pendulum, right? Mm -hmm. you, you got pendulum gig and then he he moved to London. He was like he was gone. So oh, I moved oh. to L.A. That I don't did, those guys from Australia or no? Yep. Two OK. Them, right? Yeah, um, most then, most of them live in in the UK. OK, Um, for a long time now. Um, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I went and visited him and watched him rock with like Avicii and and he opened for iron maiden like jeez that's crazy. that's so rad and then um i lived with my good buddy dj dan um in eagle rock while i was making heartbreak on vinyl oh i dude i used to listen to dj dan when i'd skateboard back in like the 
mid nineties. Yeah, man. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a good homie. Like uh, I lived cool. like ten months to like kind of reset after the idol thing and tour and two thousand eight the crash. I lost my house. I had to short sell. All like the worst of what could happen out of like the best that could happen just uh-huh. came to fruition. So <laughs> I was like, F it, I'm going to LA, starting fresh, which I'm so glad I did. Um, it was a really, you know, humbling experience. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I made some of the best music I've ever made uh, in, in that in that moment. And then um, <clears throat> here we are, like 10 years later, we finally got to get together and actually really do this. And uh, man, it's been amazing. Um, he finally moved to LA. I told him for like a decade to get his ass to LA. <laughs> he, he did. Uh, and so when I was making Wanderlust Unknown, I kind of, labels always got pissed at me because I never put myself in a box. You know, they always want to, you know, label you. <laughs> That's what they're called. They're called labels for a reason. <laughs> but, you know, put you in a box like and sell you, you know, I'm like, yeah, but I'm a producer and I don't believe there's a bad context for anything you want to say when it comes to music. You know what I mean? That's why, you know, there's amazing pop songs that are done in every language and any kind of way. And that's why covers in the last 10 years and a show like American Idol is are the biggest things on the planet, you know? So um, I made Wanderlust Unknown, which is like a little jazzy, a little hip hop, little, and I did it with guitar. And I was like, no sense, no samples on this album. But at the same time, I was making beats that were like challenging myself. I was learning to play slap bass, you know, trying to f- figure out how to do, cause I've never been a soloist on guitar. Like I'm a good rhythm player, but like, that's not my jam. So I was like working on that. And then I started making these like really cool kind of tropical trancey esque kind of beats. And I was like, oh, this, this is, this could be something. And at that time, my neighbor was an amazing bass player and he's like, we should form a band. And I was like, Kevin and I have been talking about that for a long time, like getting our getting our stuff together. So um, Kevin and I ended up making this really hot beat. I was like, oh, this is dope. <laughs> and then <clears throat> and then my buddy, he was like, oh, yeah, I have this I have this t- title for a band called The Private Language. And I was like, that is fresh. Um, and then he got his girlfriend pregnant. He married her. <laughs> And he, he left and he's like, title's yours. And so I was like, oh, cool. We got a name, but now we got to like make music for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We kind of had the name before there was any real like first <laughs> song that we finished, you know, I feel. Yeah, we started making a bunch of music. You know, me moving to LA finally kind of solidified us as, as okay, let's, let's create this duo project. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he had kind of these song starts um, and kind of like, a start a really cool start of a story that we started really developing um with the the look the aesthetic and the music all kind of all tying together and um here we are now with with a ton of music um we got over an album's worth of music wow yeah and we found a home for it which is so nice black hole has been amazing and they just love our you know our our style that's pretty broad and totally different than a lot of the stuff historically on black hole mm-hmm. bt has really helped us too that's how we started we re- did a remix for for our super homie bt mm-hmm. that was a big step into like okay we can actually start releasing this music yeah and especially and finishing the, the music <laughs> the pan yeah it was tough it, it was, was tough riding through the pandemic he was really really tough so when, when he was when he came to la it's like okay great let's do this i had a, a bunch of ideas we started creating our own and then it was like oh all right then it became like oh two days a week and then it became like three days a week mm-hmm. like oh we're really we're into this like it's it's something like we got we, we you know it was very organic and um mm-hmm. and that's like all, I, all I'm about, you know, is like the hybrid between mm-hmm. like mechanical and organic, like synth and his his drumming, his programming, like all the drums are his, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that's what makes it, you know, really unique sounding. And um, me just in love with like P-Funk and new disco and just like funk. 
I was just like, I want to hear bass lines. And probably living with DJ Dan definitely rubbed off on me, like, you know, 10 <laughs> years earlier, you know? Sure. <laughs> um, he's a funky house master. Um, but I've always, I always love that. Just being, you know, uh, man, I've been listening to electronic music for like 20, 25, 26 years or something. Yeah. You know? It's just something, you know. Um, but <clears throat> we're, not, we're not like fully electronic we're not fully organic it's 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 like a hybrid and uh it's really groovy and we're so excited for people to hear this stuff our first song our first original song is called cali girls and it's coming out next month um, awesome which we're excited and it's kind of like the one pop song that we have i would say it's like you know funk inspired um kind of on that new disco tip but all like like live drum you know mm-hmm. mixed with funk i don't know i don't even know how to describe our song yeah. it's hard to do you know what i mean but it just feels good and sounds good and we're stoked on it um and I so love it. like it's awesome because we like we first did you know the remix for bt mm-hmm. um which was like kind of a liquid drum and bass feel and so people are like are you a liquid drum and bass band no like we love that we'll have a couple <laughs> songs like that maybe on the album um, but then we came out with everybody wants to rule the world. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a huge tears for fears fan. Same here. I love uh, that song. Oh man. And, um, you know, we, we think we, we did that song justice. Like we uh-huh. changed, we changed the rhythm. We, we, you know, I've, I've, I listened to a bunch of, you know, I was like, I have to do this song. It was just in like, I don't know, maybe innate in my character's design from like childhood or something, but I was like, there's something. I want to cover this song and that's not like me even though i came from american idol i never did covers before i was on that show i never did karaoke oh that's and, interesting you know, i never really sang other people's music um unless i was jamming out to it you know in the mm-hmm. car or whatever so my whole life changed because of that and now i'm like oh you know i'm like okay i'm gonna sing all these other songs all the time and people love it too but you know it was, it was a little nervous and excited at the same time releasing something like that because you get judged there's like this isn't as good as the original like no shit like <laughs> the original the, the original you know I mean? it's the yeah. original when we're not trying to be the original we're just love that song and paying our respect to it sure and you know and that's all you can do when you're when you're doing it a cover and i learned that immediately after being on american idol so yeah um so we were stoked we we're really happy and the response has been fantastic like it's been okay. so positive which is amazing uh because it's it's just like i said there's always some nerves coming at that but now we're like really excited because our first original song is coming out yeah i can't wait to, to hear it because like <laughs> yeah uh, well are you guys gonna i love the gimmick or not i love like the masks and the whole the whole thing are you guys gonna be doing shows and oh, bring yeah, that whole thing was, to life before the pandemic we had all this planned out for the West coast. We were going to do like uh, a weekly in Seattle, a weekly in Vegas and a weekly in LA um, just because we, we could, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Cause it would be easy um, just in those location to do that, to do like a residency and try that for three months and see how we could build. Um, Because, you know, we have like 10, 10 songs that are, pretty much done with like you know six to six to ten on the on the back burner that's about mm-hmm. to be done too so you know we're hustling a lot and um yeah now that the the, the pandemic is you know subsided a little bit and uh-huh. vaccinated and people sure are, i mean it's crazy we're, we we moved to vegas and it's just narnar bobo already out here <laughs> I <can't>, i've heard <laughs> you know like people yeah. are going Wild Going a little wild, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, we're excited. We're, we we might um, we might do like more of a DJ set with him on on pads drumming and and, mm-hmm. and maybe me playing the bass and singing. We're trying to figure that out. Um, we actually are in talks with doing like a a show with like a really fun <clears throat> staging company and and recording some videos and. Um, yeah, we're we're all in we're in talks right now for that. So um, it's tough when you don't have music out. You know, it's like right. you know we're getting a lot of positive feedback. You know, the numbers are going up on Spotify, and and it you know we've been doing this for like twenty plus years, but mm. this project is brand new. 
Sure. And I've never had a brand new project before. So it's, it's, it's really fun. It's refreshing. I'm so glad you, you dig the uh, aesthetic, you know, mm-hmm. put a lot of time and, and energy into like mood boards and like, how are we going to present this? Cause it's sure. different. My voice is format shifted. So it doesn't sound like me. So oh, interesting. Hey, it sounds like, <laughs> so um, my fans are like, what the F is this? We like it, but it doesn't sound like you. And that's, it's supposed to not sound like me. It's, it's, yeah. I'm supposed to be, I was going to come out as like another full character. Like I was like, I'm going to be Laszlo from planet, you know, <laughs> Debnon or something. Sure. You know what I mean? But that just doesn't work today. It, it works for like empire of the sun 10 years ago. Right. But, you know, it, <laughs> it doesn't work. I mean, you know, and that was some inspo. Um, you know, Duran Duran, like music videos mm-hmm. with Empire of the Sun aesthetic, you know, right. I mean? like otherworldly, you know, but our, our whole aesthetic and I would say ambiguity just just because we want people to love the music, mm-hmm. not necessarily like I, our live show will be dope and I hope they love the live show. And that's like important. But it's like that, you know, the mystery you know, there's no mystery left in music. You know, anyone can look up anything online, any mix, anything, any, anything anyone's ever said about, or that band has said out loud is like online and stuff. And and that was the kind of the point is, you know, a little bit of theater, a little bit of mystery. Um, Cause I miss those days where you had to like dig to find your favorite artists info, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, and <clears throat> And algorithms, uh, you know, um, with music, um, unfortunately with my name attached to it, like, um, is weird. Cause it throws me in, into this like weird category with like Clay Aiken and Ruben stuff. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> music couldn't be f- more far from theirs, you know? Right. So, um, that was also an initial thing in my brain, not, my, not Kevin so much, but just, me that's why i was like i'm gonna change my name and and Mm -hmm. put you know what i mean yeah but at the end of the day it's like my fans love what i do if i'm making a a dope song with anybody that hopefully they're gonna tune in and maybe it becomes their favorite thing and i really hope this project even for kevin's fans i mean you know like he does some hardcore like (laughs) and and german bass you know and are you know we we hope they like this side which is definitely lighter Mm-hmm. um trancier vibier like escapism this whole the whole every song is about escapism especially coming out of a pandemic it's like leave your Makes, cares behind like yeah an island somewhere sipping a margarita or <laughs> smoking some herb you know right. dancing to your favorite your favorite tunes you know and and that's what mm-hmm. music does regardless of being inebriated you know music does that for me i love it well i can't wait to to hear the the songs and 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 obviously the live show when, when that's able to happen. Um, and thank you guys so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us, man. I do have one more question before I let you go real quick. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Oh, wow. Kevin. Yeah. Um, I mentor a ton of, a ton of artists. Um, and the biggest thing is not quitting. Um, Mm -hmm. and giving up. Yeah. Yeah. And not putting yourself, out there too soon a lot of people do that they're like i made this dope song and i'm gonna put it out there and i'm gonna get a record deal and and now i need a manager yeah Uh uh-uh reel it back in and just work on your art uh and most most artists you know have been musicians or been working on their art songwriters for 10 years almost before they really start Mm -hmm. coming out it's like the iceberg patience yeah it's huge you have to be patient with yourself and knowing how to how to accept a a no yeah how to accept a no i had this exact conversation with an artist last night whose album was supposed to drop tomorrow but that they told me that they're actually changing their stage name and i was like so have you pulled your album and they're like no and i was like what are you doing pull your album right now are you Mm. you know you have to pull your album there's no way if you're gonna go out and say you're this artist when your album that you just released is under a different name like no one's gonna find it mm-hmm. you know like there's just a little there's a lot of you know mistakes i mean because we made them i've made them i made all the mistakes so um man i got stick to one brand 
is okay. the concept you there. know and find your find your your fan <laughs> which i don't and be good to you. <laughs> we don't do <laughs> we're starting a brand new project and, yeah, that's and i mentor people all, they're like oh i think i'm gonna you know i'm trying to do more dubstep uh, rather than drum and bass i'm gonna go out as a different name i'm like no no, no don't do that just make all the music you want to make under the same name sure. i'm like i made that mistake but it's not necessarily a mistake for me like drummers are notoriously in all kinds of different bands and have sure. all kinds of different groups. Um, this one's special though. Blake and I have known each other for so long. So yeah. And, uh, and it's combining both our elements um, yeah. together. I mean, I, I would say he's dark. I'm light, you know, we're yin and yang. And I mean, <laughs> see, I, I disagree with, uh, disagree with Kevin on that sentiment. I'm, I say do all the things, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? But do them properly. Like if you are going to release something, you know, you got to take time with it. And, you know, if it's definitely off brand and like, yeah, be a, a different name, but how much time are you going to spend promoting that when your other brand is failing to, you know, um, it's, it's tough. 